This week on Raffi Reviews, the Skrull impersonating Raffi Reviews, Secret Invasion. Alright, this one's gonna be very loose. <clears throat> I just finished uh, Secret Invasion today. Um, I have characters, I got some notes. I, I don't really have anything for like the future. Uh, I didn't write down a grade. I'm really like kind of shooting from the hip with this. Because um, this, this is a very different experience uh, for me watching this Marvel Disney Plus show. Um, and I, I stress to say it was my least favorite. I, but, like, I really think this is my least favorite um, Disney Plus show. So I'm, I'm going to give it a grade now. So if you don't want anything spoiled, you can just listen to the grade and then go watch it yourself. Or if you don't care, you can keep on listening. You know the drill. Um, I'll give it, uh, I'll give it a skip. I really don't think if you are paying close attention to the MCU, um, whether you're the biggest MCU fan or, you know, you're just kind of an occasional fan, you'll watch it if it's on, you know, um, I don't think you need to seek this one out and watch it, I, <laughs> which is like disappointing to say, um, and it's not to say that the show is necessarily bad, it's just not... It doesn't feel like it's finished. It feels like it needed another go-around. Um, and we'll get into kind of how I feel about it. But, like, the the general feeling for me is that, like, it's very tough with spy and espionage stories. Um, I think it's tough to make a spy story boring, Um and the way you do it is you kind of introduce an element and you don't take full advantage of it. Because the deal with Secret Invasion as a show is that there are shape-shifting aliens who have been, who have been on Earth uh, since, the since the 1990s, right? If you've seen Captain Marvel, that's kind of how this whole thing started, Um and we're now in the modern day, and Nick Fury is having to address the fact that there are scrolls on Earth um, that he brought to Earth basically back in the day. It... <sighs> this should be a really cool idea, right? Let's, let's kind of open from that angle. When they announced Captain Marvel back, I think in like, not when they announced, but like when it came out. It came out in 2019, so whatever. When they announced it, and they were like, oh yeah, it's going to be about Skrulls, and Skrulls can impersonate people, and now they're on Earth, and it's 1990s, that was like, like, you want to talk about, like, huge opportunities, right? You want to talk about, like, setting up the ball and then missing the hoop. I feel like Skrulls are one of the biggest missed opportunities in the MCU, um... And it's kind of for the same reason that the Skrulls were a missed opportunity in Secret Invasion. Like, the comic book. Which, like, obviously they share the same name, but the comic and the show are quite different. The Secret Invasion comic book was a legit full-on invasion. Where the Avengers and the rest of Earth's heroes had to stop the Skrulls from taking over the world government and, like... The Skrulls were impersonating politicians, they were impersonating other superheroes, um, and, like, only by, like, the death of their queen do the Skrulls lose the fight. And even when the, the, the event is over, like, the consequences are Tony Stark is basically fired from his government job, and Norman Osborn, formerly the Green Goblin, is made in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, like, there's huge ramifications for after Secret Invasion happens in the comics. But there's also this component that, like, I didn't think about until I first heard it um, from, like, someone else's perspective, basically. But, like, every comic book character, especially with Marvel, every comic book character has, like, one thing that they did that kind of follows them forever, right? And the thing with, like, like Hank Pym, right? His whole thing, if you're not totally aware, is that, like, in the, I think it was the late 60s or early 70s, um, Hank Pym, who was Yellow Jacket at the time, uh, struck his wife, the Wasp, and it was out of, like, basically a hysteric, uh, hysteric rage, and he instantly regretted it after, but 
that moment where he hit Wasp kind of followed him throughout his entire life, both in the comics and outside of the comics. And if they had just said something to the effect of like, oh, well, he's been a Skrull the whole time, and he did that to sow deceit amongst the Avengers and ruin, like, the Avengers' relationship with him so he could study pin particles. Like, there was an opportunity there to take the blame off of Hank and make it a Skrull thing. And, like, that's only one example. You know, you kind of need your heroes to be flawed one way or the other. But, like, I don't think anybody wants to live in a world where, like, Frank Castle thought it was an okay idea to get plastic surgery and be turned into a black man, which is a thing that happened. Um, but the missed opportunity was that, like, you had all these characters who could have been replaced by Skrulls who now have kind of a new lease on life because they've missed out on so much, you know? Like, they could have easily... If they wanted to, like, reset Spider-Man to being a bit younger and more naive and, like, you know, not having organic webs or not being married to Mary Jane, like, if they really wanted to reset Spider-Man as bad as they did back then, um, just saying that Peter Parker's been a scroll for the last, like, three years would probably do the job, um... And I, I bring that up because it's I kind of have the same issue with the Secret Invasion show because once you introduce sc- scrolls onto Earth, you open that can of worms. Like you, as soon as Captain Marvel came out, you had all these videos and and articles online of like what characters in the MCU could be scrolls. Um, and thanks to a YouTuber named Nando V Movies, not named that, but you know that's the channel name. Um. The top contender was uh, was Rhodey for being a Skrull. And, and sure enough, I hope you're past the spoiler warning by this point, but sure enough, Rhodey is a Skrull, and he's a Skrull in this show. The problem is that he's the only... Like, there's other little characters. Like, Everett Ross, I guess, was replaced by a Skrull, so during Black Panther 2, he's a Skrull. Okay. But, like, that's that's him and, and Rhodey. Like, Rhodey's the only relevant MCU character who was replaced by a Skrull. And it's very much up in the air as to how long he was replaced. Um, now, I'm, I'm guessing that when we get to Armor Wars, I don't know if that's the next show or what. I'm sure it's, it's you know, if not, if not the next, then maybe right after that. But in the Armor Wars Disney Plus series, it's going to star Rhodey. So I'm sure we're going to get some background on when he was taken and, and replaced. But at the same time, I don't think it's going to be a huge deal. Like, I want it to be a huge deal. I want it to be like like they replaced Rhodey like, while he was in the hospital after he hit the ground in, uh, like in Civil War. Like, I want, I want it to be like Civil War happens. Vision shoots War Machine out of the sky by accident. Rhodey hits the ground, and then while he's in the hospital, they swap him out. You know, that's what I'd like it to be. But I really think it's just going to be, like, as simple as, like, oh, yeah, I was replaced by a Skrull for two or three months, you know? Like, like, like was Rhodey a Skull when he talked to the Falcon in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you know? Um, was Rhodey a Skrull during uh, the fight at the end of Endgame, right? Because, like, they make a point to say that there were Skrull agents who took, like, blood samples from that fight. I guess that wouldn't make sense. Because they... Since we're on this ball now that I put us on, like... They, they make it a point in this series to say that after the fight at the end of Endgame, Nick Fury had his Skrull agents collect a bunch of blood samples and basically put them in one place. Um, so if he did that, there really wouldn't be a reason... To have a scroll roadie do the same thing, uh, narratively speaking. <clears throat> but that's a bit of a tangent. My main point is that it, as cool as it was that Rhodey got to be the secret scroll and you know the problem in the show. A, like, if you're gonna impersonate Rhodey, at least use the armor once, you know. Um, I guess the scroll wouldn't know how to use it anyway. I don't know. It, 
that isn't as much a, as a problem as like just having it be just Rhodey. Like if, if I if it was just one more relevant character, you know, like if when Nick Fury came back to Earth, he needed a favor. He needed, you know, someone to kind of back him up, but someone low enough that, like, they wouldn't draw a lot of attention. You know, like if he called in Clint Barton, and Clint was a scroll. You know, like, that would be enough for me. I'd be like, okay, that's good. And, like, again, it opens this can of worms. How many of the Avengers, how many of the superhero characters in the universe now are Skrulls? And I am very much sure that we're never going to get a definitive answer to that. We're never, like, I I don't see a situation where we are, like, watching uh, Captain America 4 and, like... <laughs> Like, Winter Soldier shows up to save Sam's ass, and then, boom, oh no, Winter Soldier is a scroll. Like, I don't see that, you know? I'm I'm worried that they, they set this up, and it's not going to go far. And I only say that because when they introduced the idea that Hydra was inside of S.H.I.E.L.D. for so long, they didn't stretch that idea out very much um, into, like, other films. But again, it's like, they set, it's, it's, it's a problem with the MCU that I don't know if it is ever going to be fixed, really. is like, when these shows and movies introduce these big planetary ideas, and we don't really go all the way with them, I guess. You know, like, I get why whatever happens in Chang-Chi doesn't affect, like, the next Captain Marvel. Well... Yeah, the next Captain Marvel Like, I, I would kind of understand that. And I can understand why what happens in Black Panther 3 might not make a difference if we get, like, Ant-Man 4. Like, I get not everything is going to be referenced in everything else. And I... I also understand that bringing up this whole scroll thing, it's kind of irrelevant, right? Because we don't know how much further... If, if scrolls are going to show up in other movies or other shows or shows... I guess it's just like, when the concept is, scrolls are on Earth and anybody can be a scroll. it's kind of, like, I get that's a show, and it's about Nick Fury, and it's about these other human characters who do human secret agent things, but it kind of lowers my expectations, and, like, like it's a bummer to me that in this show... There's no superhero or supervillain character who turns out to be a scroll. Like, we basically know from the get-go all the scroll villains and all the scroll heroes. Like, there's there's not a lot of, and then this character shows up. Whoa, who could have seen that coming? There's nothing like that. Um, and like, I don't know. I don't expect realism in other shows and movies. But, like, how could anyone trust anyone in a show where there's shape-shifting aliens everywhere? It's a whole thing. Uh, okay, um... We're gonna talk about characters a little bit, because maybe that'll make me feel better about this show. Um... I guess we can start with the, the main dude himself. Samuel Jackson is Nick Fury. Um... In this show, they establish, like... So, he, he's in a space base with a bunch of other Skrull agents. And he comes down to Earth to deal with the issues that the Skrulls are having. And the Skrulls are kind of blaming him for their displacement on Earth because Nick promised to find them a home, he put them to work as his agents, and then he never found them a home. Right? And then and then the blip happened and he disappeared for like five years. So the Skrulls were left on their own to their own devices and some of them live amongst the humans, and some of them just hide in a irradiated bunker in, like, Russia, you know? Um, but they've been trying to decide what to do, and there's one Skrull named Gravik, who is leading a group of rebel Skrulls, and he wants to basically take over the Earth. He's like, we're here, we're stuck here, we might as well just take it over. Like, this will be the planet that we were, you know, promised, and we'll take it, and we'll do it without Nick Fury's help. Um, I don't mind the idea of putting the blame on, on Nick Fury. 
Right, that's kind of been something that's been built. He's always this character who is in the shadows, who is organizing things. And, like, when he's been a supporting character, he's been really good. Like, I, I like Sam Jackson as Nick Fury. I think he's, like, great at unifying the pieces, you know, of, of this superhero community. Um, but I'm just, like, I don't know if he can carry a story on his own. And I also think that it kind of runs into the problem of you want... The show wants to have its cake in it, too. It wants to hold Fury accountable for his mistakes, but it doesn't want to have him kind of answer for those mistakes. Because it, it's the same problem that a lot of these shows and movies have now, where, like, the villain has an excellent point. Like, no, he's not wrong. Nick Fury did kind of lead them on this goose chase and use them, and could never find them another planet, right? Go figure, a guy who's been stuck on Earth for all this time, couldn't find a planet. Um, and hell, I don't know, maybe that's what Carol Danvers has been doing over the last, like, let's see, she was gone for like 30 years, and she was gone for another, like, another five years, like, in space, gone, you know? So maybe that's what she's been doing. I don't know. It, like, and that's the thing, too. If he was like, if he was like, I never stopped looking for another planet for you guys. Like, why do you think Carol Danvers stays in space all this time? She never comes to Earth because she's out there looking for a new planet for the Skrulls. Like, that would have been enough. You know? Fury apologizing would have been enough. And I thought we had that moment, too, because in episode six, towards the end, Nick has a conversation with Gravik where he, he apologizes. He says that he, fails, that he failed them. He says, um, yeah, I would have rather had you all live on Earth and tell you there's nowhere else you can go, basically. Um, which is why I never really helped you guys. It's why I never told you guys why there's no other planet for you. I figured you'd all just live here, you know? Like, he, he gives full disclosure, and he takes the blame. And then we find out that that isn't Nick Fury. It's a, it's a Skrull character who took his identity to trick Gravik. And they have a big fight, and it's like... Like, it's like the fight is a distraction for the fact that we could have had this great character moment for Nick, and it turned out to be just another character using his face and making some shit up. So it's like, does Nick Fury feel the way, it, like, does Nick Fury feel guilty about any of that scroll shit? Or did he just get away with this whole show without saying that he's sorry? You know? Like, I don't need Nick Fury to break, up, break, break down and cry and say that he failed everybody. But this character's always been presented as being, like, a step ahead of everybody. And, like, the smart guy in the room, and he's got it all figured out. And he, you know, he organizes people. He's a leader, you know? And, like, to not even have him acknowledge that he failed an entire race of people is just strange to me. And it doesn't help that part of Nick's character in this show is that we learn he has a wife, and his wife is a scroll. And he knows that, and he loves her despite that. Um, he fell in love with an alien. And, like, it's supposed to be this big revelation. I think it's supposed to help solidify that his connection to the scrolls is legitimate, right? Like, he has a scroll wife. One of his best friends, Talos, is a scroll, um, And he's been around scrolls for his entire adult life, basically. And that's supposed to make, I think it, I think it's supposed to make it feel like he's sorry when things happen. But he never talks about it. And, and when, when he does talk about it, and, and, you know, with Talos, he's defensive, and he, he backs his decisions, and he doesn't seem, he doesn't want to acknowledge that he fucked up, you know? And that's just so infuriating, right? Because you don't make a likable character, and you don't make a character I want to root for if he's constantly saying that he didn't do wrong. And if, he, if he's only saying, I didn't do anything wrong, and he's not saying anything else flat out, he's not admitting he made mistakes, 
then that's just not a character that I'm, I'm rooting for, you know? Like, again, Talos, who's like the secondary character in this, he's a Skrull, he's, you know, he's like, you know, he's a leader for the Skrulls, not the leader. Um, this other character, Gia, is his daughter. We, we've seen Talos in other movies, and we've seen his wife in other movies, and it turns out his wife had died you know, in the line of duty, which drove a wedge between him and his daughter, uh, Gaia. Did I call her Gia before? It's Gaia. Um, so, like, Talos is, like, a fully-fledged, like, three-dimensional character. You know, he's doing what he's doing because he wants to help the Skrulls, but some of his best friends were humans, so he values the people of Earth, and he doesn't want like, people to come to blows, he doesn't want one race to win over the other, he just wants everyone to get along, because he loves Skrulls and he loves humans. And he calls Nick out on his bullshit. Like, he, he tells Nick Fury, like, you never said thank you to me over all these years. You wouldn't have a career as an agent, you would have never become a director, or in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D., or anything important if you didn't have the Skrulls backing you up, and that includes me, and he never said thank you. And he gets Nick to say thank you for that. But it's like, that doesn't change anything. Like, like Nick still acts like it's him against the world. He still acts like he's got it all together. And again, I don't need Nick Fury, this old 67-year-old man or something, to break down crying and say that, you know, he can't do it without his friends. I just need him to acknowledge, you know, that he's the stubborn old man who won't admit that he fucked up. And, like, I don't know. It, if that was intentional, right, if, if the whole point was that he was flawed and even when he comes out the winner, because of his attitude and the way he is, he still loses in some way, that would have been fine, you know? I, I just don't think Fury works as a main character, you know? Which is funny because when they announced that Black Widow was getting her own movie, I was very skeptical because I always considered her a supporting character. And I think that when they did the Black Widow movie, they did a really good job at making Natasha feel like a main character, giving her some depth, giving her an arc, and making it feel like the story did revolve around her and, like, it never felt like she needed, like, another character to take the show. Like, she was entertaining and interesting enough, you know? Um, but at the same time, it's like, when they did a show for Hawkeye, that felt just as right. Like, maybe Hawkeye wouldn't work as the solo character of a movie, but in a show, you get to have Clint be more of a person. You get to show more of his, like, you know not lack of patience, but, like, what annoys him, what bothers him, you know, like, how, how is he willing to solve a problem in, in, like, the quickest, easiest way, most comfortable way, like, they made Clint feel more like a person when they made the Hawkeye show. Nick Fury, like, he barely feels like a person to me. They introduce that he has a wife, and they show that he and Talos are best friends, and I, I don't... If he is a person, he's not a good one. And I don't know, dude. It's just... It's weird. The show focuses so much on him and his relationship with the Skrulls. And, like, there's never a point where... There's never a point where I look at Nick Fury and I'm like, okay, I can forgive what he did. Or I can understand what he did. I, I, there's never that point in the show. Um... But yeah, that's that's a theory. Um, I think I started this conversation by talking about Talos, but I, I like Ben Mendelsohn as Talos. Um, he's got a good wit. He's a great actor. Um, it's a shame they kill him off in this, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't think we need to kill him off, honestly. But then, what do you do with him after this? Make him the leader of the Skrulls? I don't know. Um, but he's good in this. Uh, graphic. Again, Gravik has a very good point to what he's doing. He is the bad guy of this. 
He wants scrolls to go to the earth. Uh, uh, okay. A couple things. I'm kind of sick of these Marvel shows. Like, just, like, having it. How do I, how do I get into this? I didn't like the general from WandaVision. Right? And granted, he wasn't the main antagonist, but he was there, and he was an antagonist. He was also uninteresting, uh, evil for the sake of being evil, and, like, behaved in a way that people don't behave. I didn't like the, like, family of, like, dimensionally lost spirit people from, from Miss Marvel. I thought they were weird and confusing, and, like, they, they didn't... Their whole theme and appearance and everything, like, none of that kind of matched what the energy in Miss Marvel was for me. Um, and I, and I, I don't want to say it's as simple as, like, when you introduce a character who's just a person in regular civilian clothes, it's not interesting, but, like, that might be it. <laughs> you know, like, the TVA are instantly way more interesting because they have this whole visual aspect to them that's interesting. You know, even Agatha from WandaVision, like, all of her outfits have something interesting about them. When she goes full witch, uh, the makeup is atrocious, but her outfit is cool, you know? Um, it's hard for me to even remember some of these shows off the top of my head. Like, um, like, even Moon Knight, like, the villain just looked like a dude, right? Like a normal-looking dude. He wasn't that visually interesting. But he walked with his cane, and he walked slow, and he had, like, this characterization that made him interesting. Gravik is, like, another dude in regular clothes who... whose who's main... The, the thing he does the most is talk and prophesize. And, like... Yeah, does he get in fight scenes? Yes, yes, he does. Does he use his scroll powers? Yeah, he does. Does he get uber-minched by the end? Yeah, he does. But, like, I don't know. He spends too much time just being a fucking dude. Using a gun. Like, I don't care. Like, it's, it's, I guess, cool spy shit, maybe. But, like, I just don't fucking care about this. <laughs> and it's such a juxtaposition, too, because you would think that if he's a character who is supposed to be, like, a master manipulator and, like, tactical and, you know, uses other people, like, that makes him more like Nick than he'd probably realize, right? Like, Nick Fury used the scrolls, but, like, by the end of the show, Gravik is willing to kill his own people to get what he wants. And there's never that connection built. I mean, he does say that he's the way he is because of Nick Fury, so maybe that's... But that's not even to Nick Fury. He's saying that to the fake Nick Fury in, like, episode 6. So I don't... Oh, my God. I just wish he was, like, a scroll the whole time. Or he got the super scroll... Because, like, his thing is that he gets... Super scroll powers. He gets, like... I think it's Groot, Frost Giant, Extremis... And... Obsidian Maw. Or whatever the... Giant rock guy is from Endgame. Infinity War and then Infinity War. Whatever. The big dude that worked for Thanos. He gets Super Scroll powers. Because we can't give him Fantastic Four powers. Um, and that's cool. Like, alright, cool. He's got super powers. He's different from the rest of the Scrolls. There's something visually that sets him apart. And at the very end, he gets, like, the Harvest. Which is a bunch of DNA from the battle at the end of Endgame. And it's so brief. And then he dies. And it's like, bullshit, he's dead. He's got Hulk DNA. He's got Hulk, Spider-Man, Groot. Like, he's got the DNA of characters who just wouldn't easily die. He's stabbed through the chest. That shouldn't be enough. He's got fucking all this DNA. Fucking, uh, I don't know. I wish I had more energy, and I wish I had more, like, I wish I had smarter ways of saying how I feel about this show. But, like, 
it wasn't very fun or entertaining. There's a lot of sitting and talking in different locations. Like, there's literally, like, I get Sam Jackson's getting old, but he's sitting in almost every other scene. There's one scene where he's in a hospital, and he sees something on the news, and he's like, oh, I gotta protect the president, oh no. And he runs over, and he, like, hastily grabs a metal chair, and he sets it against the door, the president's behind that door, basically. And then he sits down facing the hallway, holding his gun in his chair in front of the door that leads to the president. And I know it's supposed to be this serious action scene of, like, and Nick Fury's going to stake it out and protect the president. But knowing how many scenes Nick sits in this show, all I could think was, like, oh, fuck, i got to quickly grab a chair. I've been standing for too long. <laughs> so he sits down. I don't know, man. I don't know what this needed to be to make it more Maybe he needed a team of young agents... You know, maybe they should have brought back some of the characters from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, maybe they should have had another superhero character, like, like Hawkeye, Mockingbird, somebody. You, you know, you can't get Black Widow, obviously, but, like, fuck, like, what? Imagine if they did, though. Imagine if, it, like, like, Rhodey can still be a scroll and he can still be manipulating things behind the scene. But, like, imagine if they got Scarlett Johansson back for one episode. To take out Nick Fury. Only for it to be a scroll, You know? Or maybe not even Nick Fury. Because he'd figure it out right away. Like what if they sent the Black Widow. After some Russians. And pinned it on Nick. I don't know. Like just anything. You you have shape-shifting aliens. Do something interesting with it. The most. Again the most they did. That really got my attention. Was the roadie thing. And like. We'll, we'll get there. I have more to say about the Rhodey scroll, but um, I wanted to like Gravik, right? Because I knew he, I, I had a feeling he was going to be the Super Scroll and get all these powers and stuff. But like by episode four, he's killing his own guys. Like it's, it's one thing to have him throw his power around, but when he starts killing his own guys, it it, it kind of feels like. It, it feels like they gave him this motivation that made him understandable from the audience's perspective, right? Again, Nick Fury failed him, failed his people, now he's taking the revolution back and he's going to fight against humans. Like, he had a motivation that you could kind of understand, you know? And then they were like, fuck, we can't think of a way to destabilize his argument. We can't think of a way to prove him wrong and have Nick come out the, like, the ethical superior in this debate. We can't think of a way to do that with writing. So, we'll just have Gravik kill his own guys, um, and get superpowers, and just be really angry and, like, controlling and abusive. And we'll, we'll do that, right? Because then his argument will seem invalid because he's a huge asshole. And I hate that so much. You had something really good going with Gravik. You could have... I don't know. I don't know what you could have done. But anything would be better than what they did with Gravik. Um, there's Sonya, who is a high-ranking M16 agent. And an old friend of Nick Fury's. Uh, she's played by Olivia Coleman. That's fun. She's a... You know, she, she has enough personality that kind of feels like the show should have been about her. <laughs> um, with, like, Nick being a supporting character or something. But, yeah, no, she's she's funny. Uh, she has this scene where she gets to torture a dude, and she's pretty ruthless. Uh, she's good. She's pretty good in the show. And at the same time, she isn't, like, uh, infallible. Like, she makes mistakes. She's, there's information she's not privy to. She gets surprised by things. Um, which is great. They didn't make her completely invincible, which they easily could have for a character who was supposed to be this funny and this high-ranking and, uh, you know, an agent character. Um, there's also, let's see, Priscilla, who is placed by, who is played by, oh boy, Charlene Woodard. Um, she is Nick Fury's wife. Her actual name is Vera, and she's a she's a scroll. 
Um, yeah, she has this backstory as to why she took this human... Uh, like, she knew... Her human appearance is based on someone that she knew back in the day. Like, a human that she met. Like, the first human um, that she really had a friendship with. Which I think is a neat backstory for that. That element of her character. Um, and you learn a lot about Priscilla. Um, the things she likes to do. She has this house out in the woods. You learn about her relationship with Nick Fury and everything. And, like, her main takeaway was that Nick Fury was an absent husband. Um... And I, again, I don't, I don't know if this is supposed to help Nick's case or not. You know, it kind of feels like, again, there was a completely reasonable reason to blame Nick Fury for what happened with the Skrulls. And they couldn't think of a way for Nick Fury to stand up for himself or justify his actions. So they introduced the fact that he has a Skrull wife to really hammer home that he doesn't have a problem with Skrulls and that he loves them and that he wants to help them and the main quality of their relationship was that he was a not present husband because he was so busy working and trying to help the Skrulls um, and despite that Priscilla still loves him and they take off together at the end um what are we doing? Are, am I, are we supposed to blame him? Are we supposed to forgive him? Why are we forgiving him? So, uh, yeah, Don Cheadle returns to play uh, James Rhodes, a.k.a. Rhodey, a.k.a. War Machine, a.k.a. Iron Patriot, a.k.a. He's a fucking Skrull. And he's a Skrull woman, actually, and his name is Rob, or her name is Rava. And, uh, yeah. I'll say this, man. I don't know how long Rhodey has been a Skrull, but, like, Skrull Rhodey, <laughs> somehow, I don't think Skrull Rhodey is more fun than regular Rhodey, but equal fun in a different way. Like, regular Rhodey is fun, kind of endearing. He's got, like, this uh, dry wit to him. He wants to kill Thanos as a baby, that kind of thing, right? Or was that the Skrull? <laughs> but Skrull Rhodey is so sassy and so mean, and, like, he, he's tapping into, like, a RG rhythm thing from Space Jam 2, and I'm just really enjoying it, and I think it really builds this, um, visible difference between Rhodey and Skrull Rhodey, that you don't, you see more of it as the show goes on, like, like, Rava becomes very, um, like, antagonistic, in her depiction of Rhodey. And again, it's like... I wanted to see this more. You know, I wanted... Skrull Rhodey to be the actual main villain. Instead of, like, uh, graphic. You know? And there's nothing saying that Rava couldn't play two parts. She couldn't play be Rhodey and be some other dude. You know? Or, or you know, just be her Skrull self in another situation. But, like, I really found this character be entertaining and it's interesting because I was, I was thinking about it I was like what is it about Skrull Rhodey like this evil version of Rhodey that makes them interesting and Gravik less interesting because Gravik has an actual backstory we never figure out what the deal is with Skrull Rhodey's like backstory you know um what, what Gravik definitely has more meat to him and there's, you're supposed to connect with him more, or at least, sympath like, not sympathize, but you're supposed to understand his plight more. It's supposed to be, like, a believable motivation. Why, why is Rhodey better? And I don't, I don't want to say it's the actor, because I think the actor that plays uh, Gravik, who plays Gravik, Kingsley Ben-Adir, I think he's amazing. I think he's a really good actor. He does really good as Gravik. But Gravik as a character is just, like, like, the, the pompous energy with Skrull Rhodey and Gravik, right? Because they both have this this pompous, overconfident, well, you think you got it figured out, but I got it figured out. They both have that energy. But with, with Rhodey, I think there's just more fun to it. I think there's more self-indulgence to it. I think Gravik is, like, 
spitting between his teeth. Like, th their version of being mean and talking down to you is different in the sense of, like, it almost feels like Skrull Rhodey is having fun being an asshole, you know? And Gravik is being an asshole because he's trying to put you down, you know? And it's the difference between a bully and, like, <laughs> it's, it's the difference between a self-conscious bully, like Gravik, and an actual bully, <laughs> like Skrull Rhodey. Um, and I liked that a lot. And I, you know what it is? I liked it a lot because when Gravik talked down to Nick Fury, when Gravik had the edge on Fury, um, it felt just more like good versus evil, you know, ideals clashing. How was Nick going to counter this dude and his philosophy? When Rhodey, Skrull Rhodey, when Skrull Rhodey and Fury had a conversation and they were going at each other, it felt like, oh, fuck, Skrull Rhodey is going to get his ass handed to him. Like, he is, he is lining Fury up so hard to take him out. And, like, it, it just made me excited for that final confrontation. Because the whole time I was watching Gravik, I was, like, not excited to see him get his comeuppance. I kind of thought he'd make it out of this alive or captured or something, you know. But the whole time I watched Skrull Rhodey, I was like, oh, man, he's going to get it. Like, he, he, he he's not... He, he doesn't get to act the way he is and then walk away from this as a survivor. And if he does, fuck him, right? Like, that, that little fucker. Like, it, it's the way you feel about Loki in the first couple of movies that he's in. But yeah, I enjoyed Skrull Rhodey. He, he felt like a character, you know? Um, I would have enjoyed more from that character. Uh, rest in peace, Skrull Rhodey. I'm just hoping this has consequences, you know? I'm hoping by the time we get to Armor Wars and stuff, Maybe Rhodey is like taken down a few levels in like the American government because he let himself get caught or something. Uh, he's doing a bunch of catching up with his life, or you know, maybe you kind of do a superior Spider-Man thing where Skrull Rhodey ruined a lot of the personal relationships that actual Rhodey had with people. That'd be kind of fun. Um, but yeah, and I was thinking about this too. This is just a general question. How come the Skrulls didn't, like, take advantage of the blip? Right? Because they, they were on Earth for it. And people just went missing. That would have been the perfect opportunity to be like, Oh, hey, um, Brad Duncan got blipped. I'll just take his identity and take his life. Whatever. You know, I'll be I'll be him. And then you, you can do a story where it's like... Because everyone, everyone already talks about, like, hey... Where is the story where, like, someone who got blipped returns and, like, their wife married somebody else? You know? Or the story of, like, someone gets blipped back in and, you know, their kid is in, like, the, uh, what do you call it? The foster program because they were their only parent and they got blipped, but now they're back and their kid's in the system. Like, what, where are those stories? Like, where are the stories where there are scrolls who took identities and then people get blipped back in, and then it's like, hey, how come there's two, two, two Blake Duncans walking around? You know, what happened there? Um, this is a general thought. That isn't like a criticism or anything. Um, so yeah, let's, let's see. We're, did we talk about, no, we didn't talk about Gaia. I like Gaia. They, I was worried, right? So Gaia is the daughter of, uh, Talos and, uh, she seems like she's on the rebel side and she's working with Gravik, but Talos is able to win her back and get her on his side. Um, but she's this young woman who starts as a rebel and she thinks the Skrulls have been wrong, and so she's fighting the system, she's fighting authority, and she's fighting her father. And what is impressive is that usually characters like that are not, like, interesting to me. Usually the rebellious teen youth who doesn't have all the facts. Usually I find that kind of annoying. Usually I'm hoping it's over soon. And, like, to her credit, uh, Gaia doesn't stay that character for long. Like, she she go, she gets on the side of good. She doesn't fully believe in what her father believes in, but she's still fighting the right cause, and she, like, double-crosses Gravik. Um, and when it seems like she dies, she doesn't. She gets super scroll powers, too. She gets the whole 
basket at the end of the show where she gets the powers of basically all the heroes from Endgame. Um, and she's just on Earth now, I guess. Which is an interesting prospect for the end of the show because, like, basically the American public is aware that Skrulls are on Earth. Like, the president orders, like, that all Skrulls should be killed. And there are, like, actual ramifications from that, which hopefully will get carried out in other shows and movies. Um, so it's not a complete win. You know, Gravik is gone, but now Skrulls are being hunted all over Earth. And Nick is like, well, my job here is done. I'm going to take my Skrull wife and we're going to go back up in space just in time for the premiere of The Marvels, coming out two months from now. Um, which is like, what the fuck, Fury? What the fuck? You're not fixing the problem, dude. Like, you came down here to deal with Gravik and the Skrulls. And, uh, yeah, Gravik's dead, I guess. We didn't see his body. Like, what did they do with the body? I don't think Gravik's dead, dude. He shouldn't be. Uh, I don't like him that much, but, like, legitimately, because of the powers, he shouldn't be dead. Um, but Nick is like, okay, good, Gravik's dead, and the problem's taken care of. And everyone's like, uh, no, Nick, there's scrolls all over Earth who are being killed and shit, and he's like, oh, yes, I know. Anyway, bye, I'll be, in, uh, I'll be off Earth again. I'm gonna just, you know, I already left the scrolls behind once, I'll do it again. And especially when they need me the most. Especially when they need me the most. Fuck Nick Fury. He's an asshole. He's a dick. He fucking lined up all these scrolls to get murdered by the American government and then and then left. What an asshole. That's so not cool. Like, the scrolls are supposed to be this, like, metaphor for immigrants in the Captain Marvel movie. And then this show ends with the president being like, kill all scrolls. Good or bad. Kill them all. Nick, you got a problem with that? Yes, but I'm leaving, so... Dude, that's such a terrible ending. At least have Nick stick... Uh, that's what you do. You have Nick stick... Because I think... I think... Gaia's thing is that she's going to leave the Skrulls now. At least the ones that want to follow her. And she's the only Super Skrull who has the power of the entire Avengers team. So, like, I guess she's going to be the one going out and saving... Yeah, because she... At the end, she and Sonya agree to work together. To basically, like, free the Skrulls and, and, and protect them from the American government. But, like, that shouldn't be on her. That should be on Nick. He's the one that got them in this fucking situation in the first place. Ugh, oh, I hate that. I hate that end so much. Oh, God. It's so dumb. And, like, not, it'd be a different story if Nick stayed on Earth to help them defend the Skrulls. But, no, we gotta put him back in space because he, he, he... See... In secret, they're not... See, in the Marvels, he's in space. So we need to put him back in space. Like, Like, connections with movies and shows have hardly ever mattered before. Just ask Scarlet Witch. But, like, don't worry. We're, we're going to cover you with this one. We're going to put Nick back in space for the Marvels movie. Don't worry. So that does not endear me to Nick Fury, I'm sorry. I'm sitting on this for a while, but, like, this show should have been about Gaia and, and Talos. It should have been about Maria Hill, who got killed off in the first fucking episode. Thanks for bringing her back. Ugh. This, could, this could have been something really interesting. This could have been something that really shook up the MCU and added a new element to its version of Earth. You know? But... Like, until something else comes of it, it's gonna feel like that fucking fossilized celestial that's just in the ocean at the end of Eternals. Right? It's just part of Earth now, and we're just... We'll talk about it in this, and then never again, I guess. You know? So, yeah. I, I wouldn't watch this. I, I have nothing about the future other than, like, Armor Wars, and... I don't know. The Marvels... The Marvels, right? The next Captain Marvel movie, The Marvels... It's not even about Skrulls. You know, I, I think it's about the Kree, you know, a little bit, but, like, it's not about the Skrulls. Nick Fury's in it, but, like, it looks like he hasn't changed since, like, Spider-Man No Way Home, or Far From Home, sorry. I don't know. And, you know, I, I think I've made this point before. It's so weird to me that in a show about shape-shifting aliens when Nick Fury uses the mat, like, like, the cyber, like, fabric mask 
that Black Widow uses at the end of Winter Soldier. When he uses that mask to disguise himself, he pulls it off like a sheet. It's amazing that only comes up once. It's literally a device that makes Skrulls kind of irrelevant. Because you have a disguise mask. A disguise mask that you probably should have given to the chameleon in one of those Spider-Man movies, but you never did. I don't know, dude. This is like... I, I think I'm a little tired, right? A little. But I don't think that my brain being fried about how to explain how disappointing Secret Invasion was, I don't think I can get across the words. Um, but don't, don't see it. I don't think it's gonna matter for a while. You know, it's not like, the scrolls are like, oh, like, generally speaking, the scrolls are a bit more fucked now than they were at the end of Captain Marvel, is what you need to know. Um, yeah, don't see it. <laughs> don't see it. Uh, what's up next? Uh, let's see, Ninja Turtles comes out next month. I think Blue Beetle comes out next month. I don't know what the next Marvel thing is. I know the Marvels comes out not next month, but the month after, I'm pretty sure. So, look forward to that stuff. I'm looking forward to it, honestly. Like, I'm not... I know I slammed on this a bunch, but, like, I'm... I'm looking forward to... The Marvels. And, uh... Blue Beetle and, uh... I'm gonna see Barbie. I'm not gonna do a review of it. I'm gonna see it. I'm gonna just leave, let you wonder what I thought about it. Um, what else? Um, oh, there's a new. I opened a new Facebook page uh, called Author Raphael Ayala, or it's Author Raphael John Ayala. Um, but if you're interested in checking out my books, Pavement and Stuck Inside My Head, uh, follow me on Facebook on that page. Um, yeah, <laughs> but that's probably the best place to find my books right now is author Raphael Ayala. Um, that's where Pavement is, which is a story about a dude disappointed by his life, and so he goes on this cross-country adventure with all these weird paranormal things happening to him. Uh, and Stuck, in my, Stuck Inside My Head is a poetry book that takes, you know, I've been writing poetry over the 20 years, not 20 years, most of my life I've been writing poetry that reflects my life. And so a lot of that book comes from my personal life. It comes from um, experiences that I've had with my family and my friends and loved ones and stuff. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for poetry to read or if you're looking for something that you can read that, you know, you can relate to emotionally, something to help you kind of develop your own feelings about situations, uh, definitely pick up Stuck Inside My Head. It's, um, it's a real personal work of mine. And uh, keep an eye out, because book number three is coming out next month, uh, by the end of the month, I, I believe. Uh, that is Addiction to Fiction, which is uh, three science fiction stories all in one book. I'm very excited to release that. Looking forward to it. Um, with that, thank you for following and listening for all this time. And uh, I'll catch you guys next time. Bye-bye.